This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Payne and Pendergast with you on a uh, on a Wednesday. Quick text message because I realize that not all of you listen every day, all four hours. <laughs> you, you need to. I don't know. This is, it's silly. Um, what announcement did you guys make at 9.55 yesterday? Funny you should ask. Uh, thanks to the good folks with Yingling Flight and the Low T Center, we are going to the Super Bowl. We're going to Radio mm-hmm. Row. We're going to be on Radio Row in Vegas at the Super Bowl uh, the week of February the 5th through the 9th. So we are back, baby. Back. I wonder if I should start. I wonder if I should go start hitting the low T center before we go to Vegas so I can power through. Mm-hmm. That, uh, we'd, uh, our, what, what time will that be our time? Pacific. For, it will be at 4 a.m. Pacific? 4 a.m. Oh, so 4 a.m. in the morning we'll be starting. We'll this, be starting so. at 4 a.m. Vegas time. We'll be done at 8 a.m. so we can go get breakfast right afterwards. Um, but, uh, yeah, 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. out there. Boy. I picked the wrong year to commit myself to going to more NFLPA events and stuff. Like I always mm. get invited to these NFLPA events, and I, I'm yeah. just like, ah, I'm working. I don't want to. I don't want. I don't feel like it. But this year, I said I got to. People are dying. I got to go see some of these guys. And um, not, you know, that's nothing scandalous. Anybody, just you know, yeah, people die. I'm fifty. Yeah. I'm almost fifty. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, if I, I'm, I'm probably going to be going to bed at six. All right. Do I go nocturnal? Let's do that. I'll go nocturnal. So you're gonna sleep during the day, and you're gonna. I'll sleep from I'll sleep from nine a.m. till three p.m. and then I'll get after. That'll it. work. I'm more worried the about show. the week we get back then. <laughs> you converting back to normal from nocturnal. <laughs> I, I told you, I, uh, yeah, okay, that might not be a good idea. I had to reschedule my cardiologist appointment. It was scheduled for like the Tuesday after we got back. Oh, like, that's not gonna be no, an no. Yeah. Of I don't think I they'll am. get proper yeah. readings that Tuesday after no, you get back. No. Yeah. Um, Pro Football Writers Association names C.J. Stroud, Offensive Rookie of the Year, and Will Anderson, Defensive Rookie of the Year. So Bam. The hardware's rolling in, baby. I uh, So now that's not like the official one that they give out at the NFL Awards. It's not. The Super Bowl or anything. It's, okay. it's not. So I guess the fair question is, is this a harbinger of what's to come? We'll ask McLean about this at... Uh, at 823 today, because he's been on the voting constituencies for the big ones of these. Uh, one good sign, because I look, I'm going to be honest with you, I've kind of wondered whether Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle from the Eagles, would, just because of a couple things, one, his highlight reel is a little bit more superhuman. Like, Will, I like Will That's long saying term something, better Will's, than I like Jalen Carter. Will's is pretty well, good. But, yeah, but Will Will makes a lot of plays through just busting his ass. Man. And he has really nice – his hands are getting really good. I've always told you he's really good with his hands on the inside, and now he's learned how to transfer that when he's on the outside more. Um, 
But like Jalen Carter has some plays where you're kind of like, oh, I didn't know big men could move that way, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So like the highlight reel and the Instagram and Twitter factor I thought would be higher for Jalen Carter and just the combination of maybe just more early in the season, a lot more publicity because they were a good team still back yep, then. Yep. And then a Northeast bias too versus the, on the voters. But a couple things that have happened I've noticed uh, – one is like this, pro football writers. Mm-hmm. But the other is Daniel Jeremiah yesterday. I watched a little video on his MVPs. And, uh, you know, frankly, I don't, I, I'm pretty sure he picked CJ, but I was more curious to see who he picked for defense. And he picked, uh, Will Anderson. Okay. So when guys like Daniel Jeremiah, who are very, very well respected, have that out there, um, I'm, I'm guessing that he's been talking to a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, or was talking to people during the season and saying similar things. Yeah, that's so a big to, thing. To a lot of those people who are voters. You yeah, know? right. Cause the voting's done, but you're right. They, they yeah. talk a lot. That's a good point. Um, so, uh, and the other thing too, this Kobe Turner from the Rams made a, is making a late run here for defensive rookie of the year. I think yeah. a third round pick out of Wake Forest. He had 10 sacks, interior defensive lineman, he, really good player. Um, so, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, but congrats to CJ and Will on, on, uh, bringing home a couple trophies yesterday. That was good, man. The, the, the foundation, the foundation is good. It's, it's really hard to believe. I tweeted this yesterday when they announced those awards, Seth. I mean, you and I were there on draft night with at that at the draft party and around Texan fans and things like that, and it felt like the hype was monumental for those two picks on that night. Yeah. And somehow the two of these guys found a way to exceed that hype. <laughs> you know, like it was it was beyond what I think even the most delusional Texan fan would have thought of going into the I, year for both these guys. I think right, yeah, with CJ especially, given CJ especially. how. Given the the receiving core at the time, yeah, and everything else that went along with how they were last year, I think even if you were even if you were really really optimistic that CJ was going to be an awesome NFL player, and I'm honest, like I'm I'm very I'm skeptical of every rookie quarterback. I just like I need to see it for real before I believe it. So I was uh, like I was a hundred percent blown away by how good he was as a rookie. But the the whole thing about the trade value. So I know you put up a poll yesterday, right? About I did, the, uh, I did. Wh- whether the trade was worth it or not. Yeah. I'm guessing, since you have so many Houston followers, that uh, they emphatically said that, yeah, that trade was worth it. Let, let, me, go, let me go check real quick here. Because, uh, okay. yeah, I put, I'll read exactly how I, how I put it up yesterday. Because you and I got talking about this as a topic. I'm like, well, I wonder what the people think. Um, now that we know that the first-round pick in the 2024 draft that the Texans gave up to move up and get Will Anderson is 27th overall and not a top-five pick, was the trade up worth it? This is the second most lopsided poll in the history of the Pender poll. The only more lopsided one was, do you approve of D'Amico Ryans as the potential head coach of the Houston <laughs> Texans? Which turned out to be right. 98% of the people approved of it before he was even hired. Um, 95.7% of the people say, yes, it was worth yeah. it. One point 1.1% say no, 3% say not sure. TBD. That's pretty impressive because, you know, usually on social media polls, I assume at least a 5% troll factor. Yes. So that might be as close to unanimous there as you can get. That's why the D'Amico one was so astounding. Yeah. You'd figure from people outside of Houston or just flat out trolls, it would be less than 98%. Yep. Um, so I've got, uh, I, I want to listen to this Casario audio, Sean, because I've not actually listened to it yet. But I also, I, I'm going to invoke Bill James, the father of analytics, to uh, to support this too, since so many analytical types were so dead set against this trade, I have a quote from from Bill James, the father of sabermetrics, that uh, I, I think supports the trade for Will Anderson. Okay, you're gonna save yeah. it. 
I'll save it till after our Demetrius. Okay, stuff, okay, yeah. okay. Gotcha. Well, let's uh, let's get to actually, Ben. Let's get back up. Here was Nick Casario on um, what it was like working with D'Amico Ryan's this full season. Yeah, it's been awesome. And the reality is, it's funny. He's the same person the day that we hired him as he was after the Baltimore game. His consistency, his attitude, what he brings to the table on a day-to-day basis, it's just infectious. And the team and the building, everybody fed off of it. So um, it's been awesome to work with him uh, step-by-step. We're excited about what we put in place this season. And we're looking forward to the off season and continue to build on some of the things that you know we have in place. Do you think there's a lot of people out there, maybe not here in Houston because we've watched it up close, but like out there in the football world that are surprised that these two work so well together this season, given the oh, diverse backgrounds of the two of them? Yeah, I don't know. I I was actually I was really surprised by how many people were skeptical that those two would work together, and I think a lot of it was uh, an assumption that. Casario was just so dyed in the wool in New England guy that it was going to be the the New England way or 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 nothing, and I, I was just I was honestly a little bit surprised by that because remember too, there was this perception that Nick Casario was arrogant, and I haven't seen that since, and I don't know I, I think I don't know why that was because I didn't I never felt or got that vibe from him, but I think since working with D'Amico especially I haven't seen or heard that from a from a single person I'm yeah. sure it's out there but. Um, and you know how I felt from it about it from the beginning. I just I felt that from what I knew of Casario and what I knew of D'Amico, the thing that they both have in common is that they they are very determined not to be distracted by BS. Uh, like whether it's whether it's your perce- you know, like your ego or you know how you want to be perceived or anything like that. Like they are like goal oriented. Keep your eye eye on the prize type of guys and try to get everybody else aligned in that direction. And so, even though they have different personalities and all of that, yeah, I thought I thought it was going to be a perfect working relationship. Yeah, you you were leading that charge back before you know when D'Amico was even first on the radar for this job. Yeah, for sure. The biggest the biggest question I had, and it's it's funny because we're going to really see it this off season now that they've been together for a year. The biggest question I had was that well, you know, Casario came from a background where in New England they're very much predicated on getting stud cover guys, cover coverage guys, and they'd pay like hell for a cornerback, but they didn't really want to pay for a pass rusher. Um, D'Amico's different. Mm -hmm. D'Amico's the exact opposite. D'Amico flat out said, Hey, we're going to spend resources on guys up front. Yeah. So I look, and I'm, I'm thinking Nick is, we've talked to Nick about this and I've asked, I've asked him this question. Um, and I, I believe I don't want to put words in his mouth. One of the answers he gave us, one of the times I asked him that question was that it's just, it's, it's kind of fun to learn that different philosophy and, you know, to kind of, and to, and to see where somebody else is coming from. And you may have, maybe you've studied it from afar before, but you've never been up close and just had been able to spend the entire year. Now he's, I mean, Lovey Smith had the same attitude and, um, and they end up taking cornerbacks. Yeah, you know, they, yeah. Said, I thought they were going to go. I thought they were going to go D line, and they went cornerbacks. And I think Lovey was a hundred percent on board with that. We'll see this year. Yep. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time: baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming "baseball isn't boring" from the mountaintops, or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices so join the revolution subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring listen on your odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast you'll be glad you did 
Um, what moment stood out this season? John Harris asked this question of Nick Casario yesterday, and I, I actually was talking about this on a podcast last week leading up to the Ravens game. Like uh, the, I forget which podcast I was on, but the host was asking me, like, was there a certain point in the season where you realized, okay, this is not last year's Texans? They, everybody seems to have had the same answer to this thing. Here was Nick's answer. You know, I think the the Pittsburgh game, you know, was mm-hmm. certainly a a good team victory because yeah. we got contributions from a number of different people in a number of different phases, and that against a good team. Yep. I mean, they were a good football team. We're talking about two good edge players, yep. good offensive skill players, and we played well. We played with the right mindset. We played with the right mentality, and we did some things. I would say in all three phases, where when you look at that game, you say, "All right." That looks like a pretty good football team. You know, I think the road win in Cincinnati, you know, was certainly, you know, a big win on the road against, a, you know, one of the best teams in the AFC. And we played well in critical situations and critical moments. So there were just at different points, you're able to see kind of the evolution of the team take place. You know, kind of hit a little rut there um, with the Jets game and kind of right around there. But at the end of the year, we ended up winning, what, three of the last four, four of the last five before the Baltimore games. So I think there was, I would say, glimpses at different points and then as we got going there midway through the year and especially after the Cincinnati game all right you know we might have a shot here to put ourselves in business but anything that comes down to individual execution in each game and we kind of took a week-to-week approach and you know at the end of the year we were playing pretty good football and put ourselves in the position where we have a chance to play January football here is my take on it Seth the Steeler game in week four was the first time for me I'm like okay we might have a real team here I mean they beat them 30 to 6 they beat them soundly in that game and that was where I felt felt like, okay, we might have a team here. The Tampa Bay game was where I felt like, okay, we might have an elite quarterback here. <laughs> you know, yeah. like oh, yeah, we have yeah. one of those guys where you can't leave too much time on the clock, and that's the that's one of the biggest weapons you can have in a league where eighty five percent of the games come down to the last five minutes. You got that guy, you know. I think that's where uh, it was really cool to kind of hear some of the comments from opposing players and. You know, anonymous quotes from coaches or scouts over the first few games, including the first two losses, where in a way that it meant more when those teams would compliment CJ for the way he was playing because it wasn't based on athleticism. You know, uh, when a when a yeah. rookie quarterback comes in and he can hurt you by running but, or making a circus throw or something, then it you're never quite sure exactly how that's going to age or travel. But what they were talking about was very much like the pure quarterbacking stuff. I should say pure passing stuff, um, more so than anything that, that was sensational athletically. That's where I started to get excited. Because then, you know, because that, that flies right in the face of all the S2 stuff and whatever other questions there were about that. Yep, absolutely. You know, the other thing, too, um, oh, my Bill James thing. Yeah, I was going to, I just wrote down, I wrote Bill James okay. down in big letters on this sheet so right here. I, I couldn't get this out of my head. I was trying to remember where I had uh, heard this one quote, which was, just because you can't measure it doesn't mean it's not real. And that was actually a Jeff Luno quote in Moneyball. And it was in a in a section of Moneyball. That's what I or tell not my, Moneyball, excuse I tell, me, not Moneyball, Astros Ball. I tell my wife that all the time. <laughs> what was it? Or the book about the uh, Astros, not Moneyball, but uh, um, uh, oh 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 something. To, oh, this is the Bill Ryder book. I'll look it up. The uh, yeah, is that Bill Ryder book about yeah, the Astros? Yeah. So uh, like this is what this is what Bill Ryder said. Or, so this is what uh, Bill James, who basically you know started sabermetrics and the analytical movement and all of that stuff. He said, whether you sell insurance or you're a school teacher, obviously the people you work with can make you more productive or less productive. Um, 
Baseball would be quite a remarkable activity if it was the only place in the world where your coworkers didn't have any impact on how productive you were. He said this in response to basically a lot of analytics people who would say, well, chemi- like you can't measure team chemistry, so why bother even worrying about it? Yeah. And, and Bill James, the father of sabermetrics, would say, listen, like there's just some things that you can't – just because you can't measure it doesn't mean it's not a factor. That's right. And the dangerous thing is – that, okay, you can take that philosophy and do a whole lot of damage. Because like, then you can use it as carte blanche to be like, well, don't give me your measurements. I'm going based off I of something think, that doesn't, doesn't measure, you, matter at that all. that defines the Easterby era here in a way. You right, know? right, yeah. Let's just so, spend on culture and esoteric yeah, things, you know? Yeah, all these things. And that's why, that's why when you talk about chemistry, yeah, people are cynical and skeptical of it, as am I, because the vast majority of time it's BS. Yeah. And people don't actually know what they're talking about or what they're looking for. So what I've really been blown away with this year is, man, I'm watching those post game, those postseason pressers by D'Amico, CJ, and Will Anderson, and they're saying all these things that honestly you don't hear a lot of coaches or players talk about. I'm like Will Anderson's 22 years old, and he's talking about how important it is that everybody really go out of their way to to show care and concern to all the workers in the building, not just their teammates. Like, he's 22. You know, C.J. Stroud talking about, like, like almost philosophically about things in a way that most 22-year-olds don't think about things. And then D'Amico and, like, how his driving force, and you see this, it's not bogus, his driving force is helping guys like helping players become better players. Yeah. You know, like it, it doesn't ever feel like it's about, it, it doesn't feel like it's about his ego or anything. Like, and honestly, and it, I mean, there's a lot of really successful coaches where it is all about their ego. Sure. You know, I like, okay, Sean Payton's an awesome coach, but I don't think he's driven by the same things D'Amico is. 100% so, no, yes. So the culture, the culture in this instance, I think is real. And they know what they're talking about. The reason I get really excited about that is if I think about teams that are perennially, competitive two of the teams that stick out are the Steelers and the the Ravens over the past couple decades really and I think honestly if you establish it the right way it comes as much from the players if not more than the coach himself um and a lot of but a lot of it goes through the types of guys that you're getting in there but once you establish that culture as long as you keep bringing in similar guys it, it stays. It perpetuates. These Ravens defenses have been, like, through, like, what, at least six different defensive coordinators have just been continually awesome. And a lot of it starts with those guys back from the year 2000. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's really, really cool. And the two guys setting that tone are 22 years old, as you point out. It's, yeah. it's really cool. Ben Ryder, not Bill Ryder. That's why that was my mistake. Astro Ball, the new way to win it all. Astro Ball. Astro Ball. Yep, that's what it is. All right, let's get to uh, headlines in the next segment. Boy, we got a lot to get to. Billy Wagner got screwed again. Um, We've got uh, some Texans news that we'll get to, a little NFL coaching news as well. Headlines are next. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. 